Welcome to The Scoop. My name is Rory Hughes. Today we are joined by Jason Bunting, who is running for VP of Education at QBSU. What we're going to do today is basically run down through your manifesto, ask a couple of questions to point points of interest, hopefully to clarify things. So the first thing that I picked up on was that you have a couple of issues with the rep system, as it is. Yeah. Um, could you specify what they are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's a really key question because the course rep body is actually the largest um, elected student body uh, in, across the university. Um, so right now, I think there's just too many voices not being heard in the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, our representatives don't have enough visibility across campus. I think if I asked a lot of students who maybe their course rep was or who their school rep was, um, you wouldn't necessarily know their name straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't think that's a problem... Uh, of the representative's fault I don't think that's a problem that the students are responsible for I think it's a system and I think we need to reform the system so that you know who your representative is mm-hmm. um, I think we also need to go further than that in giving them a lot more legitimacy in their roles um, and improving the communication um, between the SU and the schools to make sure that there's no underrepresentation and that every voice is heard in Queen's um, because ultimately without the representatives and let's not forget these are voluntary roles but without people putting themselves forward in this way we just wouldn't hear the, the student voice in the way that we do mm. um, and I think it's really key I mean if we're, we're talking I'm assuming in a, in a wee bit probably about partnership as well and if we if we really talk about students as partners in their education and having that voice in their education um, then representatives are absolutely key um, and obviously I've got, a, I've got a lot of experience being in that system I've seen it up and close and um, yeah, I think it can make a real difference here. So is that, is that where you picked up sort of the mm-hmm. faults in the system? Yeah, with the absolutely. Yeah. So I was um, course rep in my second year mm-hmm. um, in Arts, English and Languages um, and the previous school rep, um, who's now actually the education officer, <laughs> um, was all about elevating the voices of those course reps. So I got invited to a couple of committees um, and saw the system as a course rep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just wanted to change it within my own school. So when I came back from my abroad I ran for school rep um, and I've absolutely loved every minute of being school rep um, and we've we've had a number of key um, accomplishments I think things that we've really changed which have been brilliant um, and I think there's things that I've learned through that experience that can be applied to every school um, of course not everything's going to work you know if it worked in AEL that doesn't mean it's going to work mm. in an EPS subject or medicine or anything like that um, but I think the, the values and the, the fundamental systemic changes that we need to make um, can be applied to right across the university. So is the overarching idea basically to kind of give them more of an official role? Yeah I think that's one part of it I think um, they need specifically in terms of when you get elected I think that's something we need to look at um, because school reps change every year in particular um, um, there's a wee bit of a problem right now where there's no formal procedure when a school rep is really elected um, from the school's point of view. So I think there needs to be a, a kind of procedure when you get elected for a school rep to be like, okay, so you're a nice school rep, um, this is how it's worked in the school in the past, and um, what do you think needs done, and create a kind of action plan. Um, because ultimately, you know, I, I do truly believe that representation is more than just having someone as a school rep or having someone as a course rep or a faculty officer. It's a process almost, and it's um, it's making change within the school as 
part of that system mm-hmm. um, and I think something like that would really benefit um, from having a formal procedure and then talking there as well about faculty officers I'm assuming most students won't even know that they have a faculty officer because it's the first year of their introduction um, but they need a way more kind of formalised um, official role so they are empowered to work on faculty wide issues it's all about making students voices heard and I think the representatives are a key way of doing that. So is there kind of um, a shining example within the university system which you would transpire to in terms of rep system? Yeah, I mean, um, certainly I think the way representation exists now um, has worked in a number of areas, but at the same time I think every area could really benefit from that. Um, so I think of um, people like Emma Shaw who I'm really happy to have supporting me who's been HAP school rep twice mm-hmm. um, and is now our AHSS faculty officer who knows the system inside and out um, who I can point to a number of things she's done which have been which have been really key in tackling students issues so absolutely the first thing I want to do um, if I'm elected, if I'm so lucky to get elected is to consult widely with every school rep and with every faculty officer and get their perspective um, and going in with the mindset as well of I know I'm a school rep but I'm only a AEL school rep so far mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't want this to be a one size fits all approach I want this to be an approach where I consult with the, like, the Madison school rep to find out what we can do there um, and I, I have a good overview of, of the problems that exist in a lot of areas of the university um, but I would I would really want to like push this as far as as wide as possible um yeah okay uh to move on then another key point in your manifesto is improving the academic year yes um and there has been a very specific and wide-ranging amount mm. of issues that have that people have had in this my question would be is can you realistically reverse it again well the question for me isn't that we should be completely reversing it Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are two things I would raise here I think it's important to remember why this was done in the first place Mm -hmm. and that was to move away from a culture where we just assess students for exams Um, because as anybody will tell you regurgitating information is not proof that you've actually learned something or had a valuable educational experience Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't so I don't think it's completely reversing it Um, but what I would say is the impact that the rollout has had and the way, if I'm to speak frank, the way in certain areas of the university it's been botched is that it has... I would use a much stronger word. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's appropriate for radio, hopefully. (laughs) Um, But I really think it's put massive amounts of pressure um, on students. They've had multiple deadlines on the same day. They've had multiple deadlines in week 12 before they've even finished the course. They're asked to choose between going to class there. You know, in essence, yeah. that's what they're being asked to do. Um, because anyone knows, if you have a deadline in week 12, you're going to start thinking about that, more about that and less about going to class mm-hmm. about week 10. Um, and I've seen up close as school rep in our SSCC, in our course reps and through my own experience, that you cannot realistically ask someone to submit thousands and thousands of words of essays on the same date without compromising on their mental health or the quality of the assignments that they submit. Mm -hmm. Um, So this has been a completely unacceptable pressure to put on students. While I would totally agree there is no realistic way to completely reverse it, Mm -hmm. um, and actually I don't think that would be very valuable to students right now because 
it's more for me about making sure that the next cohort of students who go into that semester one in September, mm-hmm. um, and let's remember that if I'm so lucky to get elected, I'll be starting in July, you know, so that that's really not much time at all. Um, we need to make sure that those students are properly supported because this is coming down the pipe again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you can do a number of things. I think it's the, which I didn't really have space in my manifesto to go into, but it's things like the provision of assessment handbooks. Um, and we need to produce a piece of work which looks at where our are the assessments falling mm-hmm. um, and really it comes down to academic planning these deadlines do not have to be on the same day um, but certainly we're looking at using for example week one flexibly so that would mean that they would be given an extra week at the end of their semester um, we're looking at moving towards a more a culture where there's a submission period so for those students who are really who can really manage their time very very well um, that'll be fantastic and they can get their sub- submissions in in the last week of term mm-hmm. but for those students probably more like myself who just need that wee bit extra time and who are maybe involved in so many extracurricular things as well um, that you'd be looking at a couple of weeks after week 12 to submit things um, so I think there's short term pressures that we need to alleviate we need to help this next semester one cohort of students um, and that goes to things that I would quite be quite interested in doing as well such as um, workshops potentially with um, LDS and other um, departments in the university around how to manage academic stress, mm-hmm. how to time manage and how to work with deadlines um, so that's the short term kind of structural problems and solutions that I think we could address longer term um, I think we need to look at perhaps moving some assignment deadlines into January mm-hmm. it'll not be reversed I'm, I want to be very realistic and honest with students it will not be completely reversed and certainly not for September um, but I think I'm the right person with all this experience to go in and make a difference for students and it's all about acting on the voices that so we hear. So it's more about mitigating the damage that the new system could affect on the students in the short term I think that's what we have to do Um, in the longer term we do need to look at for me it can no longer be acceptable that we have deadlines in week 12 I just don't think it works quite frankly in my school what we said was week 12 is no longer teaching week um, and that means that you know you lose out in a week of teaching but it also damages the the whole educational structure of semester one because yeah, at the end of the day effect, yeah, yeah you're not learning at all you're just being put under immense amounts of stress to submit a couple of thousand words and for me it, it it felt like and I think I speak for a lot of students it felt like almost a test of how many words can you produce in a narrow window of time mm-hmm. rather than a test of actually how are you engaging with, with the subject um, and I think we can definitely work in, in partnership with the university to change this um, if you ask educators if you ask um, students they, bo- they will both have the same response to this which is the way it's working right now is completely unacceptable um, and I think I'm definitely the right person to change it I mean yeah no one enjoys those like monster field nights yeah exactly uh, yeah, too many minutes. of them <laughs> uh, again moving on uh, which to something which you clearly know very much about which is the student partnership project mm-hmm. um, and you were involved with it massively last year with yeah. uh, Lucy who's the current VP of education and everyone else who's involved with it um, you're talking about creating new projects yeah. for it who, what, when, where, why? 
Brilliant. <laughs> I love this question. Um, so let's just take it back a wee minute just to, just to explain to people who may not know what the Student Partnership Project is. So Student Partnership is basically built on the idea that you shouldn't just be a consumer of education here. You should be you should have a joint voice and role in the quality of your education. Mm-hmm. And that means having an active voice um, where we deliver education based on um, agreed goals and the idea of students as co-creators of their educational programme, um, not just passive kind of consumers of this. Um, so this is the biggest project of its, of its kind in higher education in Northern Ireland. I'm so passionate about it because I think it will really change how we deliver education. Um, so currently we have 13 projects across the university um, which have been implemented in partnership between the SU and the university mm-hmm. um, across the four key themes. Um, coming out of that as well, we have a number of school-specific projects and that's the fantastic thing about this because it's really from the ground up because staff and students are looking at their own schools and saying, okay, what could we change here? Um, and they're agreeing projects for themselves um, and there's, there's a number of those. I know in AEL we're looking at undergraduate peer mentoring and working with staff and students to roll that out across the school. So that's a number of of projects that currently exist, but new projects um, will be based on the four key themes of communication, student voice, representation, and academic enhancement. Um, so I suppose I, I mean I could I could pick one of those and I could talk about academic enhancement um, and talk about feedback. So feedback is something that we've locked on quite extensively in the current student partnership project. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the current projects is develop uh, to develop a centrally located um, kind of resource center for uh, online resource center for feedback. So you you could go to one place and get all your feedback and mm-hmm. um, I think what we need to do going forward as well is communicate to students more how to act on their feedback and um, develop a project around um, okay when you get feedback how do you kind of use it to go on and develop your next assignment because that's what feedback should be mm-hmm. it shouldn't just be retrospective okay that was 12 weeks now it's done I can't use this anymore um, it should be it should be ongoing it should be continuous it should be designed to help you improve in the next assessment um, so there's a whole range of things of different projects that we could go forward um, I think shorter term it's going to be about actually um, reviewing this current system of projects because there's some projects that just won't be completed by the time that yeah. I hopefully take over um, but then it's also about empowering students to say okay you know if there's something that you really feel passionately about in your school staff and students work together at Queen's to change things and we can make a partnership project out of this and we can go forward with an action plan and we can make a difference for your education um, and it, it really is changing the culture between you know students just viewing themselves and their education as oh well the university tells you what happens and you go along with it to a real culture of partnership where where people do work together to make change yeah what would you say to people who think that the idea of creating a partnership with a massive conglomerate like queens Mm. is too existentially (laughs) positive yeah like because a lot of people a lot of people refuse to see queens as anything more than a business yeah and they believe that Every student, no matter how much they try, is like eventually and inevitably a consumer. Yeah. And do you know what? The reason students feel that way is because they have felt it in their own education. Mm-hmm. So it would be no lie to say that in the past and even currently, we are often treated just like customers. 
Um, and you know I'm completely against the marketization of higher education I think education is a public good mm-hmm. and I think it's a it's a right for everyone it's not a privilege just for some and I think that the idea that okay you feel like a customer it's because in a lot of ways you've been treated like one and let's face it it's com- it is unacceptable that you pay thousands of pounds of debt mm-hmm. to put yourself through an education which is a public good which in today's economy you need for almost every job um, so I, I would completely sympathise with that viewpoint um, I suppose the attitude I take it towards it is very constructive and optimistic mm-hmm. um, and ultimately I would say you know and a lot of students will feel this as well um, that although the management of university and the structure of university right now um, can be very corporate I mean nothing rides me more than when we hear students described as customers during meetings um, and the course reps will tell you that um, but that doesn't or, translate well yeah <laughs> but um, but at the same time students will know that their lecturers for the most part mm-hmm. want to make positive change for them and I've seen that in AL time and time again you know Quite often it's easy to go into a meeting with lecturers and think, God, this is Queen's, they're against me, they don't want this, they don't want that, they think differently to me. Um, but a lot of a lot of lecturers are trying their best every day to make sure that the education that they deliver and that they are so passionate about is given in the best way possible. Um, so I, th- I think there is an opportunity here to actually change the conversation a little bit from students being viewed as just customers and viewing themselves as just customers to saying actually you know we are partners and we do have a voice in our education um, and ultimately I think what's really going to be the proof of the button for a partnership is that it's going to change your education in so many ways that are going to be tangible mm-hmm. I think that one of the key challenges for partnership is that sometimes I think um, we risk when something like this starts um, it becoming kind of a buzzword or a tick box exercise and I can absolutely promise that if I'm elected to help lead the union, it will not become that. It will be developed into a culture um, and that we will work extremely hard to make sure that it's not just a buzzword, that it's action, actionable goals um, and visible change. And I'm so confident that students will see a difference, for par- difference in partnership. You know, I've, I've led on it as school rep in AEL. Um, I've loved that. Um, and I've led on it also as an intern. Um, so there's nine interns across the university right now who work on partnership um, for Queen's. And I work on assessment and feedback in both maths and physics and AEL. Um, researching basically um, the way feedback works in our schools um, and benchmarking it against the sector and seeing if we could do anything differently mm-hmm. um, and that's been so valuable so I think all this experience really informs my perspective and really means that, that I'm the best person to take this forward and on top of it all I'm a massive nerd for it and I would love to do it <laughs> uh, You and I are frequently at council meetings and yes. you'll know as much as I do that there is a difficulty in getting people engaged with peer mentoring and becoming school reps and totally. basically taking on more work than the mm. course requirements, yeah. the extracurricular activities and all that kind of stuff. So is there a way to guarantee that people will get involved in being a peer mentor? I don't know if there's absolutely any way to completely guarantee mm. um, student engagement. I'm so passionate about student engagement. I love to see students involved in their education um, and I absolutely think that for example like peer mentoring that's a really good point but people see the benefits of peer mentoring you know we have a system in AEL where 
when all the schools merged, it only really existed in, in School of English, and when our schools merged to form AAL, it meant that um, it doesn't exist in those other areas. So this year we've helped to implement a structure where it will, hopefully in September, if everything's going to plan, and it is right now, so fingers crossed, it will exist in, in all areas. So that's music, drama, film, French, Spanish, Portuguese and Irish. Um, so <laughs> that's quite an undertaking. But ultimately students see the benefit of programmes like this. Um, it eases the transition to university life, which is really daunting and something we yeah. can forget get um, it gives them academic skills it gives them social environments to, to kind of make friends in university um, I've seen the benefits of peer mentoring I think everyone else would too um, peer mentoring is the easier style to be honest because it, it exists in a lot of schools exists in a lot of secondary schools and people know what it is yeah cause um, it, it does it, it has it has, where peer mentoring is, but yeah. it has different semantic Absolutely. names yeah. and, kind of and stuff, I yeah. think peer mentoring you know expanded peer mentoring for me means that everyone in every school across the university will have access to it mm-hmm. um, and there will be a structure there in every school um, and a lot of that is just building on what's there already the bigger sell um, is getting people to engage as course reps and school reps and um, luckily this year we saw this number of school rep nominations go up um, but we still didn't fill all the course rep positions um, and that's something I'm hugely passionate about you know because Yes, it is more work. Um, school rep in particular is demanding. Um, it means that you are representing, I mean, currently I represent around 1,400 people in AEL, um, and that's a privilege, but it's also a massive responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, especially in a diverse school. But ultimately, this system of representation, it's how students make their voice heard on their education. We have done so much in our school where we have advocated for social spaces, we have changed the dates of deadlines, we have um, implemented that structure for peer mentoring. We've done so much in terms of, oh, we've um, guaranteed funding going forward um, for that was potentially um, being looked at. Um, so we're lobbying for sustainable funding um, and we're prioritising how to better communicate careers experiences. So... I have a huge amount of experience in what school reps can do and I think if you run a campaign of visibility for school reps, I think if you better communicate the positive outcomes that come out of the actions that we undertake and SSCC actions, um, and I think if you give them the support they need, the visibility they need, the legitimacy they need, um, I think we'll really see um, not only nominations go up but... Um, the idea that students will know who their reps are and be able to contact them when they mm-hmm. need to um, and make change in their school, I think we'll see that improve. Um, and certainly next, um, fingers crossed, if we get elected next September or October time, when the elections do take place for school and course reps, hopefully we'll see those nominations increase. Moving on to the last couple of points of your manifesto, um, one thing that caught my eye was you say you want to enhance career opportunities mm. for humanity students. Mm. Isn't this the political stereotype of, I can get you more jobs? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um, no, because the jobs exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're doing um, right now in Queen's um, for humanity subjects, to me, honestly, we're letting them down. Because I will tell you as a French student that whenever we go to careers first, and this goes for students right across our faculty, whether it's a politics or, or um, you know, music or drama or film or anything or philosophy, we have so many critical thinking skills. We're taught how to communicate. We're taught how to think about the world. We're taught to have open perspectives. We are valuable in any business around the world, but also in society. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, society does need historians. Society does need people who know about the world and think, can think critically about it. So, um, what we're doing right now, I think, is we're not just giving the space to, like, 
all aspects of society that could benefit from students in subjects like ours. So um, I'm not promising that if you leave university as a humanities subject, you're definitely going to get a job. What I'm going to say is, um, I'm going to prioritise the fact that when you are a student of Queen's, it doesn't matter whether you're in a STEM subject or a humanities subject, if there are job fairs, we should be represented. If there are things like, um, like we need specific um, career opportunities promoted, for example, networking massive thing in a lot of our disciplines we need to be better taught how to do that we need to be taught when to do that and how to do that um, we need to be taught like to make connections with alumni there could be opportunities created for alumni contacts to maybe come in give talks there are so many things like that that we could do and I think um, as a humanities subject you know student I think I'd be really well placed to take that perspective to the university it's something that I've tried to do as school rep but um, you know ultimately it's just something that I think the education officer could do on a much bigger scale. Is, is that linked to the research roadshow? Research roadshow is a little bit different so I didn't really have time to go into the research roadshow in the manifesto. The research roadshow is basically based on the idea that there are so many undergraduate and postgraduate students mm-hmm. doing amazing research at Queen's and we're not giving them the platform to showcase that. And that means showcasing it to fellow students, to lecturers, but also, yeah, to employers. So it could be linked in, but I think that's more about going throughout the university. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> going throughout the university and showing, um, showing the fantastic things that Queen's students do um, in their research. So that would be really interesting. I think there is definitely an audience there among employers to showcase that research. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we should be showcasing the research just as well because it's amazing and um, and that goes for all disciplines um, and th- I think the only other thing I would say about careers opportunities and the research in particular is I know I advocate a lot for humanities um, but I, I do want to just reassure everyone that it's not just humanities subjects that need better communication of careers opportunities it is everyone um, and quite often I've found that the problem it isn't just that we are, um, I suppose, we don't have the opportunities available, so we don't hear about them mm-hmm. enough. And the Career Service does fantastic work. Um, mm-hmm. And the Learning Development Service does amazing stuff and all, all the rest. There's so many good things happening in Queen's, and we just have to make sure that every student hears about them, you know? That's kind of the problem. It's yeah, just, it's so difficult. There's so many wonderful things happening, there's not, like, a central body of yeah. information flowing to students. See, that's a partnership project. <laughs> <laughs> good point. In the making. Uh, my final question is then... Why has no one else ran for this position? Good question. <laughs> um, and, you know, ultimately, like, it is very disappointing that we've seen such a low number of nominations across the board this year. Um, it's, I'm not going to lie to you, it's discouraging. Mm-hmm. As someone who is incredibly passionate about making students' voices heard and getting as many people involved in the democratic process as possible, you know, this is what I'm doing my dissertation on student engagement and students' unions. Um, it's disappointing. What, ca- what I can say is that... Um, in relation to education officer, um, there are two things to say. There's one thing which is, it's quite often, I suppose, kind of termed with, it used to be nicknamed VP Boring, mm-hmm. because it's a lot of graft behind the scenes. It's not always the most visible. Um, and I think, I do want to be more visible, but I also want to reassure everyone that education officer does so much good for students and makes so much change um, that I think even though we're a little bit more behind the scenes than some other officer positions um, it does so much you know and I really want to make sure that next year we're out on campus we're going to where the students are at um, and I think ultimately we all know that the students union has been because we're in the decamp building this year 
it's not a thoroughfare as it used to be. It's not, you know, um, people just aren't walking through it in the same way. So ultimately, I think that could be a big reason why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a key priority for not just myself, hopefully next year, but a team that's elected is to make sure that for the next couple of years, while we're still in this decamp building, um, that we engage as many students as possible. Um, and ultimately what I can say is, although nobody else ran, um, I am really confident that with all the experience of school rep and partnership project intern and elected member of academic council and a course rep and a student councillor and all those different aspects of my uh, of my resume, I suppose, um, I really do think between that and all the ideas that I really hope people read about in the manifesto, that I'm the best person to be education officer. I wouldn't, I would say to everyone, go on, get voting on the 5th and 6th of March. Um, it's so important that for no other reason you just make your voice heard on the education that you get at Queen's and every vote that you give any officer is a mandate and it's a mandate for me to improve the academic year so you're not put under this stress it's a mandate to improve the rep system so that you get your voice heard and it's a mandate for to strengthen partnerships so that you're treated as a partner not a customer um, every vote that you give is a mandate for, for me and for every other officer um, and I'm not taking anything for granted I'm going to be out on campus for the next week flat to the mat um, and then um, and then hopefully hopefully we will see next year more student engagement and, and, and a stronger student democracy But um, and I, I can just pledge that I'll, that I'll do everything in my power to make that happen To find out more information about the QUB SU election coverage or to listen into our interviews with the running candidates follow at QR The Scoop on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening.